Hi, welcome to Comics Unscripted, the podcast from Foreign Press Comics. I'm your host, Carla Merrill, and today we have um, Alan Rossette. He is the writer of Project Impact. Um, there are three issues of it out now. Um, how are you doing, Alan? Doing pretty well. How about you? A little bit all right. Um, so, uh, what have you been up to? Ah, uh, well, uh, today actually I was uh, doing some uh, substitute teaching uh, for a grade seven eight split class uh, here in uh, my local area. Um, that, that, uh, that's been my my life over the last uh, week or so. Anyway, I've been in the same class for the last uh, okay. several days. So yeah, is that is that what you usually do? Do you just, I know you had a background in education. Do you usually just substitute or uh, at this point? Uh, yeah, I am uh, like a substitute uh, at this point. Uh, I, I was mainly doing that while I was pursuing my uh, doctoral studies yeah. in uh, applied linguistics. So now I've got my doctorate, uh, but uh, uh, at this point I'm still sort of. Uh, navigating my way through uh mm-hmm. academia so in the meantime substituting mm-hmm. so uh t- tell me about that about your your doctor you have a doc- you said it's in linguistics like so, uh, applied so what does that mean or implied linguistics what what is what does that mean okay so for me that means that i am um well i did re- my research on uh motivations and engagement uh, to learn additional languages uh i am interested uh in um I guess uh, a lot of the uh, the pedagogy and uh, whatnot uh, connected to learning additional languages. So uh, as uh, you may or may not know, uh, Canada has two official languages, English and French. Uh, French is uh, a mandatory subject um, midway through elementary school up till mm-hmm. about uh, the ninth grade of uh, high school. Um, and uh, our overall success rate in, in uh, producing bilingual students is not the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's certainly a lot worse than we would, yeah than we would hope. Uh, so I'm I'm very interested in in um, how to engage students, and I'm also interested in uh, the idea of uh, what sort of teaching methods might actually work best to facilitate. Mm-hmm. Uh, learning French or English as a second language as well, but it's mm-hmm. like additional languages in general. Yeah. Um, so just out of curiosity, is that like, do you think that's had any impact on like um, your, just your, maybe not your, the applied linguistics specifically, but um, your uh, pursuit of that or your background in education has, has that affected your, your comics creation in any way? Um, Indirectly, um, I have uh, so. For example, my my character Damsel, who features strongly in uh, issue three, but she also makes appearances in one and two. Um, I chose her name um, as kind of uh, again just sort of playing with words, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, like I knew that, um, and I've um, okay. So I knew, for example, that um, Damsel is a Anglicism, or I guess uh, anglicizing version of um, the French word demoiselle, which would mean young lady. Mm-hmm. And so I, so I just, I started to sort of play with things. So my, my uh, pursuit of education, particularly like as a French as a second language um, teacher, um, allows me to, I don't know, I just, I, I got interested in words. So mm-hmm. I play a lot with words and that's, uh, that's, that uh, has helped. Uh, now in terms of, uh, uh, the comics themselves, uh, early on in the process, um, as I was getting more and more things finished, I did have, uh, 
a, a grade eight class uh, that I was teaching at the time that uh, would sort of um, take a look at different things and sort of give me an idea of what they thought. Uh, mm -hmm. So not not quite beta readers because it wasn't like they, they didn't really have any impact on the actual story, but it, it did give me an idea of, uh, of, of the tastes, I guess, of the... Um, that age group uh so when i was like writing subsequent issues i was able to sort of take that into account mm -hmm. well that that actually kind of you were just what you were just talking about with um damsel's name and things like that um actually led me to um a question i already had but from that from what you just said and from other interviews that i've listened to you talk um you know you've talked about your other characters and um just it seems like in general just names have a lot of importance to you and mm -hmm. you put a lot of thought into your character's names and the, mm -hmm. what you, the way you have a lot of um, uh, background on like why each character seems to be named the way that they are. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you talk about that a little bit in the book, like um, in, I think it's issue two um, Pulsar explains um, the, the reason behind his name. Um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, like, why do you think that the names of your characters are so important? Is it just because of your previous or your already established interest in linguistics, or is there why you think the naming, the way you name your characters, is so important to the way that you um, create? Well, I want to be able to have memorable character names, and I know that uh, again, coming up with a decent character name is 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 difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, I I try and keep them um, at most three syllables because I start thinking to myself, if this were to say translate to another medium, or if I was actually trying to get the attention of one of the other like one of the other characters in like a real life setting um you you need something that's going to come like sort of rolling out you know, off the tongue mm -hmm. fairly quickly right so something like you know recap straight uh straight uh, forward uh sizem moose all of these things are like one two three syllables right polar knight is the only exceptional uh, although they tend to call him pk right mm -hmm. um so I just sort of um, figured that the more elaborate the name is, the less likely people would be able to sort of use it in a high-stress situation. Mm -hmm. um, so that partially, partly plays into it. So I'm, I'm looking for a combination of uniqueness of name, uh, functionality, and applicability to their power set, but also uh, it, it has to fit within that sort of uh, like syllabic uh, mm -hmm. um, parameter. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and... Yeah, well, because the only name I could think that um, that didn't fit that was well, you said Polar Knight, but I knew that was mm -hmm. three, and then yeah. I can't remember the other one. The, well, the one good. in the the suit, the the, mm -hmm. the yeah. Quebec. I can't. I don't know. It's so yeah, that 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 one. Yeah, that that one. Um, I had been playing around with that one a little bit originally in the first issue. He was called French Guardian, but then mm -hmm. as uh, I got kind of uh, again, although I knew better, uh, I got called out by uh, the, the River and. Um, Bleeding Cool, who had basically said, well, why why he's calling himself French Guardian when there hasn't been an attachment between France and, and Canada for over 200 years? I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, he got me there. Yeah. Um, so uh, I started sort of remodeling things. Uh, so I went with uh, Gardien du Québec, which would literally mean like sort of Quebec Guardian. Mm -hmm. um, so they would probably refer to him like, you know, in conversation as like GQ, basically. Mm -hmm. So there, it still kind of fits within that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Sort of, no, no, you're good. Like I said, that that was just the only team member, the only character whose name I could not remember. Mm -hmm. um, and it probably probably partially because it's changed, and I didn't even notice. I was just like, "That's I don't think that's right," but whatever. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of just brushed past it, but that's just probably just my brain not um, 
paying attention. Um, why don't you go ahead? Um, we've already gotten into the some of the characters and things. Why don't you go ahead and give us a um, like the the basics of what Project Impact is? Okay, so essentially, uh, Project Impact is a government sponsored uh, superhero team uh, tasked with um, safeguarding um, Canada um, from. Uh, parahuman threats. So uh, how I refer to super, refer to superhumans mm-hmm. in my uh, books is uh, parahumans, uh, as opposed to like metahumans or paranormals or whatever. I went with parahumans, um, and uh, it, it's uh, project uh, impact itself is an acronym for Initial Mobile per, uh, Parahuman Anti-Terrorism Crisis Team. Okay, um, so essentially, when there are uh, I guess threats that go beyond <clears throat> what. Uh, law enforcement could typically deal with then they would uh, essentially uh call um project impact uh through you know um essentially uh, um like a hotline sort of system yeah. and um they would be dispatched to the uh, the area of um incident um now i have been centering things uh well, at least in the first uh book um first book and second book in um, more of the sort of uh, greater Toronto area, uh, dipping into Niagara Falls. Mm-hmm. Uh, Niagara Falls is actually probably about an hour and a half to two hours away from Toronto, but it's still fairly close. Uh, the third book takes place partially in Tecumseh, which is uh, part of Windsor, uh, which is right across the border from Detroit. Okay. Um, so um, I've just sort of been playing around with, with uh, that sort of region. Uh, I would imagine that the majority of things would probably take place in Toronto because it is our largest city and mm-hmm. it has the most um, opportunities for, um, well, wackiness to ensue. Because yeah. uh, so, much of, so much of what goes on in Canada is, is tied to Toronto, whether, okay. we, whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, that sounds like a lot of attention to detail. Um, and, okay, like, could, that I had not realize like you're like oh well Niagara Falls is technically a couple hours and I'm like I don't know the difference mm-hmm. you know I'm just a dude from Oklahoma and mm-hmm. like I, I'm kind of the same way with um a book I'm doing that's based here in Oklahoma and I'm like mm-hmm. making things very like trying to make things as real as possible and I'm like nobody who else who reads this is not going to care you know mm-hmm. but it makes me feel better so I imagine it's kind of the same thing for you like mm-hmm. even though like you know that like okay these might not be super geographically correct but it's close enough general audience mm-hmm. and it might bother you but for the rest of us it's all good um what's um also i wanted to um compliment you acronyms i wrote this no, what i wrote in my notes is acronyms are hard af um mm-hmm. because i've it's something i've never been able to i've done it once for um my book valkyrian i couldn't remember, even remember what book i did it for i wrote mm-hmm. one good acronym and so like to be able to come up with a long name like impact and make that make sense is like major props to you. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. Mm-hmm. So someone, as someone who's also writing, trying to write a superhero story, mm-hmm. what do you do to make it not feel generic to not feel like you're just aping a Marvel or DC story? What do you, well, what I'd, goes into your thoughts when you're trying to differentiate yourself? Um, well, I or guess in, in some ways I'm actually, um, I'm taking inspiration from, mm-hmm. um, I would say eighties, era marvel um okay. now one of the things that uh had, had come up uh oftentimes in like stanley's interviews would be uh, something uh, to the effect of uh, uh marvel portrayed like the world outside your window um and at least as it pertained to new york and uh, i do take uh, a similar sort of um 
inspiration from that. Um, the major locations that are mentioned in each of the books actually exist. Mm -hmm. So, for example, the, uh, the Sir Adam Beck hydroelectric generating plant, that actually exists. Um, mm -hmm. And um, the, uh, the skate park in Tecumseh, that actually exists. Okay. Right? Like it's one, one, of the, one of the things when I was first looking up sort of information about that area, on the township's website, they had a live video link to the skate park. And okay. I thought to myself, okay, if you're going out of your way to like, is there just nothing else in this town that you need a live <laughs> webcam for the skate park? But all right, fine. So that's, I guess, where we're going to start the yeah. action. Um, at, even in uh, the start of issue two, where uh, they're at an artillery range, um, that artillery range actually exists. So like, I went out of my way to sort of make sure that I have like authentic details as much as I can. Um, mm -hmm. the, the Royal Ontario Museum uh, is a major museum in, uh, in Toronto. And at the time that I was writing the script for issue two, they had uh, a, a, a sort of um, medieval Chinese exhibit going on, which is again, okay. where I started drawing inspiration from as well. So there's just little bits and pieces uh, that I try and pull from to try and make things as authentic as, uh, as mm -hmm. I can. So. And are you are you like providing all that? I, I don't I don't know how is your artist also familiar with the same things you're talking about? Or are you like providing them with a lot of references like, hey, we uh, we're doing this specific building or we're doing this thing? Well, we want to uh, at, at the beginning, yes, uh, I was providing reference images. Um, in fact, there, there was one uh, set of reviewers who uh, was accusing him of, uh, of tracing the backgrounds, mm. which for the record, no, he did not. Um, uh, I've seen the actual like legitimate pages he did not trace those things they are done traditionally um but um yeah so i was providing um, reference images for that now uh he did have a little bit more leeway when it came to um the uh, royal ontario museum like he actually was the one who chose the entryway um instead of me saying okay well, it's going to be this entrance here off of this street here he actually okay. went he went finding the images himself uh he's actually he lives about maybe half an hour to 40 minutes away from me so like we're both from the same area so yeah, we're familiar yeah. with a lot of the same like places and you know locations and just we we get the vibe of the area so um so that's been helpful i think also in the in the um in just from reading it i've like i've read all three issues um how it feels very maybe it's just because it's the the places that um it's based on but like what did you do to make it feel um to make it canadian like to make the book instead of just making it you know generic superhero story did you do anything to make it you know feel very canadian um, well, okay. So probably, um, one of the things that, uh, has been both received well and criticized is in issue one, where I did not provide any sort of translations for when the uh, French guardian character was speaking sometimes. So yeah, he would be speaking in English, but he would also occasionally be speaking in French. Mm -hmm. And then the other characters would just react as if they knew what he was talking yeah. about. And they do because they're with their, their background and their training. Uh, many of the characters come from the Canadian military and, and uh, in the Canadian military, they are, they become proficient in French if they weren't, you know, mm -hmm. prior to their, uh, their okay. entry. Um, so that's one thing right there is I, is I wanted to create something that um, again, like, is it more user-friendly to provide translations? Yes. But if I'm aiming it at a at a Canadian audience, in theory, they should be able to read what I have there because it was simple enough that they should be able to see it and like understand it immediately yeah. without having to do that extra layer. 
Um, that was actually something that uh, the uh, the Chapter House uh, comics uh, company that uh, has been doing the the latest iteration of um, Captain Canuck. They had started doing the same sort of thing. Uh, okay. prior to, uh, yeah, I guess they had a few issues out before I had uh, doing that. And I, I saw that and I was like, you know what? I've been doing, I've been thinking about the same thing. So I'm going to use that as yeah. well. Um, so that's one thing. Um, the locations, I think, is another thing. And I also think that I, I tried to convey the the sort of um, self-deprecating uh, viewpoint of <laughs> Canadians, uh, at least in terms of how it is that we're, uh, uh, how we might refer to ourselves. Uh, mm-hmm. So, for instance, there's uh, when uh, when Pulsar is uh, introducing himself to the uh, the uh, um, lieutenant at the uh, beginning of issue one, uh, one of the captions that uh, after he's presenting his ID, like one of the captions that says, you know, I've never heard of you either. And yeah. it's just one of those things that um, from a Canadian standpoint, like Canadian celebrities are only really celebrities if they make it in the U.S. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a weird sort of thing. Like we'll send off like our, 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 uh, our most famous exports are the ones who've made it in the States, mm-hmm. uh, the ones who are famous in Canada. They don't really count, yeah. In terms okay. of popular perception, so I was trying to sort of pass along that idea as well, um, as well as in issue one. I was when I'm referring to like sort of the uh, the Canadian government uh, trying to sort of uh, um, imitate what was going on in the states. Mm-hmm. That's that's a very common thing up here. Um, yeah, as I, I as you may have run across in some other interviews, uh, like we we do have a number of things that have been duplicated from the states, um, mm-hmm. and all put in Toronto basically. Yeah. So um, it, it's things like that that I was trying to uh, to incorporate anyway. Yeah. And like, like you mentioned, like that's really, it's really clear. And I think it does a good job and it kind of leads into my next question of, of world building because you established that, um, you, that, that can Canada put their own like superheroes together and they were just, like you said, they were just seen as knockoffs. Mm-hmm. And um so what what all went into the whole the the world building of it all? Like how, I guess. Well, first let's let's go back. Um, how did like where did Project Impact start? Okay, so in terms of the actual uh, kernels for ideas, uh, it actually started off um, in superhero role playing games. To be totally honest, I was getting ready to go visit a friend, well, my cousin in uh, California. And I had wanted to sort of, you know, create my own little superhero team uh, that was Canadian based. And I was working a uh, security uh, gig at my uh, university uh, at the time. And I was just sort of like, it was uh, was building security basically. And Mm -hmm. I I spent probably a good hour or two just thinking about, okay, well, what would I call this team? What would I call this team? What would I call this team? And basically by about my fourth fourth lap around the um the building i'd come up with impact I'm like okay well now what is impact going to stand for and then i started sort of piecing that uh that together um now in terms of the um the team itself like where it came from um really i was um inspired by or envious of some of the uh, canadian indies that had popped up around like 2015 2016 um I had seen a lot of these characters starting popping up in Facebook groups, uh, indie comics, uh, Facebook groups. And, uh, um, I, I sort of, I wanted to put my characters in the same sort of light that theirs were. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, you know what, there's no reason that mine couldn't be, you know, as, as visible as theirs. Um, so I started thinking of that. Um, 
And then when it came to the actual character building, um, I just started sort of, I guess, playing around with names again. Mm-hmm. Um, Damsel was one of the ones that I had thought about. Um, like she, her original version was considerably different. Uh, her original version was basically a little uh, uh, five foot nothing little blonde girl, basically. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you know what? That's that's too easy. Yeah. Right? That's like like uh, it's too Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Um. So okay, well, let's take a word like damsel and flip it on its head. Take mm-hmm. all the mental images that we have and just you know turn them upside down. And we end up with a six foot, you know, Serena Williams, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, with her, that's how I how I went for things. Um, but just different names started to sort of like pop into he- into my head. So like recap, for instance, I think recap was the third one that I had come up with. Um, Polar Knight was the first, then Damsel, then recap. Um, I had already in you know, sort of previous creative iterations come up with the French Guardian uh, character and Pulsar. Um, so they were, they're the two that have sort of been with me the longest. Pulsar is it, like definitely been around for mm-hmm. ages yeah. in my imagination. Um, and I just started to slowly piece together the roster. Um, I had actually, Pulsar was the last addition to the team. Like he, I, I wasn't, when I was originally putting things together, I didn't plan on him being on the team. But then I started thinking, well, if I wanted a, a voice for the world building and to introduce things i wanted a character that i was comfortable with who like whose voice i i knew better mm. so i dropped him into like a leadership role and i i put him at again sort of now like sort of late 30s early 40s as opposed to like his original version was you know 20 something you know yeah um but i i you know uh aged him up and uh put him more contemporary with me really although he'd be younger than i am but um Mm -hmm. and uh i just sort of tried to build in that way um now as far as the the world itself uh goes i i I wanted it within canada i wanted it to be somewhat um again uh, advanced tech um but not outrageously so Mm -hmm. um probably is it probably is beyond like it's definitely far beyond our current technology um, yeah but uh another thing that i had kind of uh, this is also where i start dipping back into uh the marvel aspects of things um do you like are you familiar at all with all the changes that they had made with uh, wolverine and the weapons plus program and things like that uh vaguely yeah, yeah. okay well originally when i would have when i was growing up and like reading comics and whatnot um it was the, the Weapon X program. Yeah. It was a Canadian thing. It was not an American thing. It was a mm-hmm. Canadian thing. And then as over time, they started building things up. And so Weapon Plus became a thing. And to me, I always felt like they were stealing something important from the Wolverine origin, that it was yeah. no longer a, a Canadian thing. It was actually like a US-backed you know, thing or whatever. That just, yeah, yeah. To me, that just took away from the character. So I wanted something for me that felt more like a weapon x program but definitely canadian yeah okay so that's Mm. um well i have two different ways i want to go over that but um i i guess we'll first we'll we'll backtrack we'll we'll we'll, i know i'm bouncing around a lot but um, (laughs) what were some of you like your this is something i ask anyone who's not from the u.s um or i ask every i like ask most people but especially people aren't from the u.s so like the comics that are influencing you um, growing up, um, what were some, or maybe not, if, if you weren't a comic reader growing up, whatever, um, what were some 
were there any comics? What were the comics that were in, influencing you specifically? Any um, Canadian comics that we might not be aware of? I, I imagine there's a significant amount of overlap just because of the way you know the market yeah. is. But right. yeah. what is there? Is was there anything that was um, like I don't know the, the growing up that was very like Canadian in terms of comics? Um, like you said, Weapon X, but was there anything like else? Well, okay. Well, so heard? for example, like okay, so the X Men uh, run the uh, the Claremont uh, yeah. Burn run. Okay, that uh, like uh, despite the fact that he sort of distanced distanced uh, distanced himself from his Canadian heritage, John Byrne is technically Canadian. He sees okay. himself as British and uh, British and American. Uh, at this point, but he he was raised largely in Canada. He went to art school in Calgary. Hmm. Okay. Um, so like he is definitely uh, well. He created Alpha Flight, for instance, you know, as well. Yeah, which yeah. Is the Canadian super uh, team. Uh, for me, I growing up, I read the uh, John Byrne uh, Fantastic Four. I read the X Men. Uh, I got into the X Men. Maybe I would say uh, a few months before the uh, Mutant Massacre storyline. Um, which, you know, fundamentally changed um, Angel and, you know, any number of the characters. Um, so those were, were two big things. I've always been a really big fan of, of uh, The Thing, uh, Ben Grimm, uh, which uh, as we're progressing through, um, I'm making, or I'm, I'm having my artist do sort of um, superficial changes to uh, the Moose character. Mm -hmm. um, so he's he's going to become a lot more of my sort of homage to, uh, to okay. the Ben Grimm character. Um, um, by the time that we started making the tweaks, the original artwork for the first issue was done, so we didn't really have you know <laughs> a chance to, to make the same sort of tweaks that uh, I would have liked to have seen. Um, but uh, yeah, um, yeah. For me, it was uh, like yeah, X Men. I was big on X Men, as long as they were Earth based. Like the moment that the X Men took off to space, I stopped the run. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I don't know why. It's just I just had a thing about you know no space. Um, I dipped a little bit into Avengers um, when um, let's see. It's uh, the the version that had uh, Submariner and Hercules on the same team. Um, see when uh, the, it, there was also I guess the start of the West Coast Avengers so I had a lot of the West mm -hmm. Coast Avengers stuff with the uh, Hawkeye and Wonder Man and uh, you know the, the the Silver Centurion version of Iron yeah. Man um, so th those were a lot of the big ones for me um, the Canadian stuff really wasn't as readily available uh, no. if you didn't know about it it was tough to get your to get their hands mm -hmm. on um, like we didn't actually have a prominent Canadian publisher hmm. up until basically the mid 2000s so oh, okay. any of the, the major canadian characters like captain canuck for instance like he he was created before the um, the alpha flight uh, guardian character like he predates him by about half a year uh very similar designs because well they're using canadian flag based sort of thing so yeah. of course they would be fairly similar in design um but um it took uh, Richard Comley, the uh, the creator of uh, Captain Canuck, a long time to even get out the 14 issues that he did get out. And it was very much a, a very big indie sort of thing. Uh, mm -hmm. I only actually became really aware of it when they did the reboot because um, Chapter House acquired the rights from uh, Mr. Comley. And um, they set themselves up to be the first sort of Canadian national publisher. Um, they've since sort of rebranded into uh, Lev Gleason Presents uh, Comics. Okay. Uh, but uh, but you'll still see the, the Chapter House name popping up here and there. Um, so, um, yeah, as far as like 
specifically Canadian influences, I guess really like John Byrne related materials would be probably mm. the, uh, the best I could offer. That's, that's valid. I just, I'm just curious. Cause I know that in some places it differs a lot. And like, especially when you get to like Europe and things like that, there's a oh, yeah. lot of, a lot of differences. I just, I just don't know as far as, you know, Canadian or like, mm. cause um, and I know that I've heard from other people who are from Canada that like there's, um, uh, you know, there's, they get, you get like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but like French comics might make it over uh, there. Like, um, so like some, like Tintin, things like that. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. The thing that, that's uh, interesting, I guess, is that, um, similar to France, uh, Quebec, the province of Quebec is really big on graphic novels. Yeah. So okay. like you'll go into like a, the average bookstore and you'll have these like massive graphic novel sections that like, you know, dwarf the ones that we have around here. Like we might have a few, a few stacks or a section of mm-hmm. a bookstore, but they'll actually have these massive sections. Yeah. Uh, so they're really big on it. Uh, um, it is actually somewhat ironic that we didn't have more um, publishing going on because uh, for a good chunk of time, like certainly through the 70s and 80s, uh, the Marvel and DC comics were being printed in Canada. Hmm. Um, So despite the fact that the comics were being printed and like manufactured and whatever printed here, we didn't have our own thing. Yeah. So. Huh. That doesn't Um, seem right. But hmm. I I, I figured especially because like you said, like, Considering the big influence that the France, the French Quebec has, I figure, because I, I, cause especially because the French is the French had their, like you said, the whole graphic novel thing mm-hmm. over there. I just just was curious. Um, so real quick, we'll take a quick break for an ad, and then um, mm-hmm. we'll be right back. Okay. All right, and we're back. Um, I just have a, a few questions. Um, I think I only have one other question about um, actually about Project Impact itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have some other questions just about the creation and the, the other side of things. Um, how much say have you had in um, how your your characters look? Um, well, one other thing, I just this, this isn't a question. This is just a comment. Um, when I before I read um, read the book, when I was listening to interviews, some I was listening to some. I only listened to like two interviews. I say interviews. I listened to like two, um, okay. one and a half. Um, I you mentioned the character Moose and how he's the big strong character. I and you just mentioned him earlier, and I was going to say this and I forgot. Um, mm-hmm. I expected him to turn into a moose mm-hmm. or like a man moose hybrid or something, right. mm-hmm. like a minotaur but a moose, and then he mm-hmm. didn't. And I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie, I was kind of disappointed. I was well, like, that would have been a real. Is that what you're doing? Uh, no, it's not actually. Ah, it's, okay. it's not. There's uh, so have. okay. So the uh, the well, the thing is, uh, I believe Eric Larson actually came up with something called the like Musitar or something. In oh, okay. His, uh, Savage Dragon. So I'm kind of glad that I didn't go that route because then people would be saying, "Oh, you're just ripping off Larson." Yeah. And I'm definitely not going that route. Um, like if you look at the um the visuals, I guess. Now I'm not sure if you've seen on our, um, Instagram or on our, our Twitter when I, I'd sort of posted some of the, uh, the, the redesigns for Moose, but he goes, for instance, from, uh, um, essentially sort of like clean shaven, bald, you know, fully formed hands, uh, to a guy who, again, he's got sort of like the, the, uh, the big sort of almost like mutton chop sideburns and mm. he, his hands get remodeled to only having like a couple of uh a couple of fingers and a thumb sort of thing that more resemble sort of moose hooves uh-huh. things. Yeah. Uh, and the feet sort of change also to more resemble that um so it's, it's it's little things like that that i was sort of playing with and even just the uh the sort of like uh goatee that he's uh starting to uh develop uh because i want to be able to sort of reveal his his newer look uh by issue four um, I had started to sort of um, 
change the look of him in issue two. Um, like again, once the redesign happened, we didn't really have enough time to go back and change a lot of things, but we did have the opportunity to at least start the beginnings of the growth of the facial hair on mm-hmm. on the character. So you'll see he's totally clean shaven in uh, issue one, then he's starting to get the uh, the look in uh, issue two, and by the time that issue four uh, comes out, he'll be in his more pronounced. Uh, form uh, i'm not going to acknowledge the, the difference in like the hand thing i'm just going to uh-huh. let, that, let that go and if yeah. we end up doing a redux then we'll just fix mm-hmm. the images later <laughs> um, so, so i'm assuming um i see now i'm, I'm bouncing around because that that leads me into another into one of my questions that i already written down but um so uh, oh um that's that embarrassing um so is he going to be is Moose going to be the um, the more POV character in the fourth issue? Um, possibly. Everyone has kind of featured somebody new. That's and, and that's so... the thing. That, that's that's also in a way where I was sort of taking some sort of inspiration from um, the John Byrne uh, Alpha Flight. Uh, there is a portion of the uh, the Alpha Flight original run, the first like twelve issues or so, where the last there would be an A story and a B story, and the B story was usually covering uh, the origins of the individual characters who didn't who hadn't had as much exposure as say wolverine would have had mm-hmm. right like everybody knew wolverine but then all of a sudden this canadian team pops up in x-men and nobody has any idea who they are so he had actually spent a, a certain amount of time on each uh, in each issue to build up their backstory um so instead of doing it that way uh i wanted the first issue to be um world building like sort of introduce the world itself and then i wanted to sort of focus more on uh smaller stories uh that would still be uh leading somewhere but they were also their own sort of self-contained mm-hmm. things with a sort of beginning middle and end um so as far as whether or not moose will specifically get the fourth issue or not that's sort of up to debate at this point okay. uh another one of the ones uh polar nightmare is also in contention for for taking more of a lead role in that one mm. um so i i've been trying to sort of suss things out um yeah so with uh, with issue two i know like sizem was uh a, a pov character for about half of it and then pulsar was mm-hmm. a pov for the second half yeah and that was a very specific choice uh because uh essentially i realized at the end of issue one that i hadn't done much with the sizem character mm-hmm. uh, and i wanted to sort of shine a, a, more of a spotlight on him in uh issue two uh, but then i also realized that i wanted um action beats as well so from my perspective, from from the character perspective, uh, Sizem holds Pulsar responsible for essentially being like benched most of the yeah. time on um, the uh, the mission deployments. So I felt okay. Well, if I'm going to spend a lot of time with you know Sizem, sort of griping about what's going on, I'm going to counterbalance that with Pulsar doing some mm-hmm. sort of action beats. So I was able to sort of like balance those um, two that way. Mm-hmm. And then the third issue was primarily a damsel issue. Yeah. And it's, well, so you just what you were talking about with the names, then what you were talking about a little bit earlier with the looks, and then some of what you were just mentioning. Like, it sounds like I don't know that this is a question necessarily, but it sounds like there's a lot. There's a lot of just from talking with you. There's a lot of intentionality behind mm-hmm. every decision that you make. There's not a lot that you do that is just kind of thrown to the wind. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that's, um, yeah. Yeah. I'd say that's that's accurate. Yeah. So so how much say um um like so how much do you have how much say do you have how much impact pun intended 
you have on how the characters like look both as civilians and heroes obviously i know you said like you're you're in talks to like you're talking with your artist to like change the designs and things but mm-hmm. like going in like were you very specific about like um you know polar knight looks this way especially because he's one that you had for you said he's one of the first characters that you had mm-hmm. in mind or like how much of it was you how much of it was a was a back and forth thing between you and your artist uh well polar knight specifically is um i guess sort of a special case there because uh okay so originally when i was coming up with uh the designs for the characters um i can sketch and i can mm-hmm. sketch well enough to like impress elementary school kids yeah but it's not well enough to actually put out my own book um so i had relied on a website called hero machine uh that uh, that was able to sort of create like a cartoony sort of design sort of things uh, so i used that to actually create initial drafts of the characters to to i guess give my artist uh, a lot more um mm-hmm. I, an idea of what i was looking for um with the um with the characters now polar knight after i'd done the hero machine sort of thing i felt he looked too much like a power ranger Mm. and i wasn't happy with that so um leading up to when i was working with uh with stefan peterson he's uh, the artist for all three books um he's actually the third artist that i had uh contacted and talked to about uh about the series Uh, but he's the one who's had the most um time with the characters uh, we went back and forth probably for about a month and a half, just sort of, uh, as far as character designs goes, like he would, um, he would pitch certain ideas. Like he mm-hmm. at one point asked me, like, are there any sort of like celebrities or whatever that I should be sort of basing some of these people off of? Um, and so I gave him some general ideas and then we were, were playing around like a combination of the, the hero machine imagery, uh, as well as additional input, um, but when it came to Polar Knight, uh, we, st- we started going back through sort of image searches. So we wanted something that was somewhat um, Viking, ins- Viking inspired, but almost like space Viking sort of idea. So mm-hmm. we went back and we started looking at um, like historical armor that Vikings and stuff would have actually, you know, potentially worn, unlike what uh, is seen in, in various, you know, pop culture mm-hmm. um sort of iterations of things and we started started uh, sort of taking different things like okay well let's try this here and let's see if we can sort of like jazz it up a little bit more and to sort of make it more um a modern reflection uh so we went back and forth uh quite a bit um until we finally reached a point that we were somewhat happy with um we have actually we had we debated about a shield uh we're still debating about a shield um on the one hand, that the shield, adding a shield would be very Viking esque, but on mm-hmm. the other hand, I don't, I don't know. We're we're still discussing yeah. that, but uh, but yeah. So it, it was very much a back and forth uh, for like quite a while before the first like panel was even drawn, because mm-hmm. uh, from Stefan's perspective, he wanted to make sure that we got the characters right before we uh, before we moved forward with the uh, mm-hmm. the main you know the main story. Mm-hmm. And another thing I want to mention is that it, that it seems like that I want to, uh, as a compliment, um, you, cause I, I don't think a lot of creators do this myself included. Like you are open to changing those things as you go. Cause like, I know that myself and a lot of others, like once I've started a book, like that's, that's their design. Like I'm not going to go in and 
alter it for issue three or change it for issue four. Um, I get that yours is a little bit different because there's a lot, it's like we said earlier, it's kind of one shot. So there is some time to adjust Mm -hmm. and it's not like it's a one after the other where like, Hey, how did they change costumes in five minutes? You know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it makes sense within the story, but I do think that's a good thing that you are open to change and make changes as you go. Because a lot of people would be stuck in that way. Well, and honestly, like when it came to like, okay, so my current letterer, uh, Richard Lumsden, uh, also he's an excellent artist in his own right. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how he came across my uh, my Twitter feed, but he had um, had seen some of the designs for things, and he uh, really took a liking for uh, to the Moose character specifically. Mm-hmm. And so he actually just like without you know he just like I'm going to make some fan art, and he did a redesign basically and i looked at this thing and the different sort of subtle details that he added in there i was just blown away by i was like oh i can't believe that like all the little things that he added on the one hand were so obvious that i was kicking myself that i hadn't thought of myself but Mm -hmm. on the other hand were also subtle enough that they really like just like speak to who the character is supposed to be and so, like, we continued to talk, and basically, as I uh, once I'd gotten to like issue two, I I, I got him to be like my letterer, and um, you know, like we we were going essentially with, um, we're going to be going forward with his sort of redesign uh, mm-hmm. like tweaks. Um, so, because I think that they they do improve the character considerably, um, with uh, damsels outfit original like the original version of her like I, I i started questioning like once i saw some of the things on the actual like pages of uh, issue one i started thinking you know what it looks too much like she's wearing yoga pants so i gotta switch up some of the uh the uh, the, the color scheme mm-hmm. uh to her so and that uh, so we played around with some some color schemes uh at that point um because the original version was wearing like more black pants basically black mm-hmm. pants, and i was like nope that this we got to change this so um yeah i i'm very much open to um you know uh putting out i guess the best versions of the characters that i can so um i can't think of everything so i'm I'm more than happy to uh to accept input from like my, mm-hmm. my creative team um yeah. like even as far as like the scripting and stuff goes like my first script was very much um it was very laid out very specific but I also think that since it was my first comic, I believe I wasted a lot of panels. Mm-hmm. So in the second issue and even in the third issue, like uh, I gave, you know, a number of panels, you know, general ideas of what I was looking for. But I also had given my artists the freedom to um, change things as necessary, because as far as I was concerned, like if adding an extra panel will make this look cooler and pop more. Great. Let's do that. If taking yep. it away, we'll do that fine let's do that like I, i'm not married to the number of panels mm-hmm. i want to make sure that the words are essentially like the, that the words will all fit that's that's something that we're still working on mm-hmm. um but uh but as far as um like yeah i'm not i'm not married to the the idea of like it has to be my vision entirely yeah. like i i want to make sure that it is like a, a group effort and that we're collaborating as much as we can so what went into picking um I know you said you went through several artists um, and um, but what went into uh, selecting them specifically um, your colorist and letterer, just because um, those are two things that kind of are generally um, I say this as someone who letters 
um, are generally ignored or kind of the last thing you think about or people aren't as particular about them. So what went into picking or, you know, looking at who, what people offered and like what you were looking, what were you looking for in terms of those roles? Um, well, for one, okay, for, for the first issue, I was working with uh, a colorist uh, named uh, Gary Scott Beatty. Okay. Uh, he is from Michigan. Um, he, um, was, he, he ended up doing the, uh, the colors and the letters for us, uh, which was outstanding. Um, and, um, he came recommended, uh, by somebody else within the Canadian indie scene. Cause, uh, um, I had asked, you know, some other creators who had been around for a while, well, who, who's, who's good? Like who can, you know, can I get that is, is, um, going to be able to get what I, I guess, get across what I wanted to get, to get across in um, a way that's going to look good and that also is not going to completely bankrupt me. Because again, like, you know, um, the higher up the food chain you go, the more expensive things are. Yeah. Um, and uh, Gary came, recommended, and um, I worked with him on a couple of things. Uh, there's a, another, like a mini, a six-page mini uh, comic called uh, Goshawk that is on uh, Global Comics right now as well. Um, and, uh, between those two, the first issue and the Gosshawk, um, things like, I, I liked what he was doing with the colors. Uh, it was maybe a little bit too, um, too silver age, I guess, uh, for the first issue. Um, so, um, you know, that, that was, that was a, a sticking point a little bit, but, uh, just over the course of conversations, uh, I ran across, uh, our current colorist, um, Linda Scott Campbell. Um, and she, uh, had some sort of samples, uh, that were up and they just, they, they look good. They, they, they really seem to just like pop. And I, you know, talked to her about, uh, whether or not she was interested. Cause at the time she was just starting to learn how to color mm. and she was doing some like, uh, coloring courses and things like that. And as far as I know, our book was her first actual book. That was issue two that she did. Um, so, um, I liked that, uh, you know, she was willing to try new things and that she, uh, she seemed to have a natural talent for it and she definitely worked hard on it. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I thought, okay, well let's, let's, let's see what she can do with, uh, with things. So she, she tried out, uh, the first page that we had, uh, for, um, issue two. And it took, you know, a while of just sort of like back and forth, you know, uh, providing feedback and just sort of suggestions and things. Um, but I, I liked what she, uh, what she did with it. So uh, we decided to move forward, um, you know, together. I, I, I had uh, experimented with a few other colorists who were, were excellent in their own right. Um, but uh, either schedule didn't work or um, the exchange rate made things unmanageable. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's one of the things that, uh, well, for me, especially at the time I was putting out the original book, like the exchange rate was pretty outrageously bad for us here. So for every, every four pages that I would produce, for instance, uh, it would actually cost me the equivalent of five pages. Mm. Right. So, and that was just becoming unmanageable because if yeah. I got a 32 page book that, you know, every four pages, that's, that's adding an extra like eight pages onto things. And I just, yeah. that was more than I was willing to, or able to, uh, to afford. So I was trying to find more of a Canadian team. Yeah. Um, with, uh, with Stefan, I had met him at a local, um, local 
comic convention about an hour from uh, from where I, where I live. He had his uh, his booth set up, and uh, I I liked what I saw in his portfolio, and uh, you know uh, asked him if he wanted to uh, to check out the script, and he agreed, and uh, we just sort of you know bounced things back and forth, and um, with our current letterer. Uh, as I mentioned, he had done the uh, the redesign for uh, the Moose character, uh, just as sort of like on a lark, really. And he's been looking to try and get himself back into uh, indie comics himself. So um, when he yeah, he was you know playing around with things, and uh, since he was willing to give it uh, a try, I thought, oh, you know what? Why not? This way, we'll have an, a con- like an entirely Canadian creative team. Yeah. And uh, I think he's done a, a fine job. Like the the biggest thing with letterers is um like they're so important because a bad letterer can take you out of the book like it will break the immersion right but a good one like as uh, you've you know no doubt noticed like um you don't quite get the recognition that mm-hmm. you yeah. deserve because again it is it's a vital skill and it's a vital contribution to the comic but if it's done well you should probably not notice it mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I figured you were going to say. Um, the way I like to phrase that, or I've heard that phrase that I prefer is good lettering looks like it was done by the artist mm. in that it blends in. So it's, it's the same sentiment that mm. you're not going to notice it particularly, but mm. it's I, I just I think it's because I think that's a better way to explain mm. um, lettering. So just to get on my little lettering soapbox and defend my fellow letters. Um, but I also do think it's a, I think it just, it's a good look for, for your book to, um, be, um, a whole Canadian team considering mm-hmm. you're doing a Canadian book. I just think it, I just think it fits the, the image, you know, it, it, it looks good. Mm-hmm. Not that like it looks bad to not, but it just, if you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's yeah. just like, oh yeah, you got a whole Canadian team, you're doing a Canadian book. So it's, 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 it feels right. If that makes yeah, sense. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And now one thing that I, I did want to uh, mention, I'm not sure how you're going to be editing things together, but uh, I, I did want to like, acknowledge the uh, contribution of the uh, the London Arts Council, uh, who, uh, you know, helped out a great deal with uh, the production or the creation of issue three. Uh, I had applied for a uh, local uh, arts grant from uh, my city's arts council and uh, I, I got it. So that helped a great deal in uh, terms of uh, the creation of the book. And uh, I made sure to acknowledge them in the, uh, in, in the inside cover of uh, issue three, but I also just wanted to you know, take a moment to, uh, yeah. to acknowledge them in the. Uh, uh, yeah. I heard, I heard, I think it was on, um, I can't remember what I, what I was doing, but you mentioned that in another interview and I was just, I'm just jealous that you have that. I wish that was an opportunity. I wish I had some like that local group that would like, we have a local arts group, but like, I don't think they don't do that. They don't give um, grants yeah. out. I'm not sure exactly like how, well, again, like I think every municipality is going to be different, right? Yeah. That's, uh, so there may be like different, uh, different counties or whatever, uh, or different, uh, different cities there, you know, around, uh, I would imagine some place like New York would have a, like a big, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like that. Well, yeah. I live in a small town in Oklahoma, so I really, we don't really have, our art scene is not, it's not bustling, but right. <laughs> I'll just leave that. But, um, uh, um, I think we are, you already kind of touched on, um, like the fact that your, um, the, your decision to tell the story, the way you're telling it is very intentional to, um, like the way that you're telling it in terms of, um, like relatively self-contained 
mm-hmm. one shots with like at the end, you know, you have a little, you know, three or four pages at the end of every issue that have been like a tease to some overarching um, mm-hmm. narrative. Um, so, but so that, that was kind of your, you knew that going in, you, you, that was your plan from the yeah. start, like this, is how I want to tell this story. Yeah, absolutely. Because, uh, uh, I had looked at other indie books and I have run across more unfinished stories than I know what to do with. Because again, indie comics are, I, it, it's, it's not an easy gig, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and just managing Especially to get indie superhero stuff. Oh yeah. Like there's uh like I know that there's a few different uh there's a couple of different series I can think of right off the top of my head. Their their intention is to get to twelve issues. Yeah. Right now they've gotten to four. Well in one in one case he's gotten to four. In another case he got to two. Uh so at this point, like if I'm reading these series, like great, I've gotten through four issues and it looks like something good's coming. But is it ever gonna come? Mm-hmm. That's the big question. And in the case of the other one that only went two issues. Um, that storyline is now left in limbo. Like it's, yeah. it's not going to get it finished. Uh, whereas with mine, I, I wanted to sort of, um, reassure the readers to a certain extent that if you're going to, um, support what we're doing, you're at the very least going to get a complete story in each issue. Like there will be ties from one to the next. There is something bigger coming, but, um, I'm not going to like, leave you hanging when I can't be a hundred percent sure of when the next thing is going to come out. Mm-hmm. Right. So that way, like I'm hoping that each issue is uh, entertaining enough on its own that it can stand on its own. Um, and hopefully, you know, people will come back to, uh, to check out what, uh, mm-hmm. what we're doing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not, it's not a necessity yeah. to jump on an issue one sort mm-hmm. of thing. I also think it's, it's narratively, maybe not narratively is not the right word, but it's, it's beneficial in another way. I think in terms that it, um, it, it helps people to, um, cause you know, I think the thing that makes people stick around to books long-term is the characters. Mm-hmm. And so you're introducing them to the characters instead of just making them solely want to read your story for what's this plot going on. Mm-hmm. Now they're reading by establishing the characters and letting people learn who they are and grow attached to them. You're mm-hmm. letting them, you know, you're letting them get hooked that way rather mm-hmm. than just get hooked on plot alone. Mm-hmm. They're the plots kind of kind of like what you're saying, the plot's secondary. And mm-hmm. so they're not just there for the plot. They're there for the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so the last few questions I have, um, what difficulties have you faced being, you're digital only, correct? Currently, yes. Yes. Yeah. So what difficulties have you faced being only digital? Okay. Uh, probably the biggest thing is, um, well, the North American outlook of whether or not the the comic is legit or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, uh, what I was told uh, by a, a few other creators is essentially, if you don't have a printed copy in your hand, it doesn't really count, yeah. right? And like, it is difficult. Like, I haven't done any, like, any conventions and things like that because, again, I don't have anything in hand at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by the same token, like, just with the way that everything worked out, the first two issues came out within two to three weeks of North America shutting down for the COVID-19, um, mm-hmm. you know, pandemic. So, like, if I had pushed ahead with a print run, I may very well be sitting here with, like, 
boxes and boxes of books that I couldn't run. I, I certainly couldn't move, right? So I thought, yeah. okay, at the very least, I wanted to get something out there. And I keep hearing that digital is going to be sort of the future. And there's there's plenty of people I know of that like don't buy like novels anymore. They'll like read things on Kindle, right? Or on um, the other sort of off-brand um, book reader sort of things. Yeah. Um, when you look at uh, manga, they've got a very... like strong digital scene uh so for me i think one of the biggest problems is is breaking the stigma attached to being digital only um or primarily digital uh i do want to get printed stuff but just i guess the idea of uh like um building my audience through an exclusively digital platform that that has been a lot more difficult than I would have thought it would be. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like there is like there are people I know personally that as far as they were concerned, you know, like get back to me when you've got a printed copy. Then I'll pick up your book. So they're, you know, and it's like, well, how you know like, it would be a lot more helpful if you picked up the digital thing, so maybe I could produce yeah the written, you know, or sort of the physical book, right? Mm -hmm. Um so um that's that's probably the biggest thing now they the uh online platform uh global comics uh dot com has been very mm -hmm. good in that regard uh i guess they're going to be moving eventually to like a print on demand uh yeah. format as well i don't know enough about that uh portion of things yeah I don't either. um but um i think uh they did an yeah. interview with um uh cody over on keeping it geekly who i know you've, mm -hmm. you've been on and yeah. it, it they didn't answer a lot of questions not that I doubt them. I fold support in global comics, mm -hmm. have my own books on there, but mm -hmm. that they didn't clarify a lot of things in the print on demand aspect. Cause I was also yeah. very interested in that part. And I was just yeah. like, yeah, I didn't really get the answers I wanted out of this, but hope yeah. uh, obviously it's still very new and they'll, they'll get to that. So. Well, you know, like I, I've looked at like indie planet as well, right. Cause they've got the print, uh, the print on demand mm -hmm. thing through, uh, God, what is the name of that company? Uh, Kablam. Uh -huh. So Kablam runs, uh, indie planet. Um, so uh, I had I looked at that, but I, I you know had shied away from that one at the time. I, I put them. I originally released the first two issues on Comixology because I felt okay that was the largest platform at the time, um, with you know potentially the the largest you know audience, and everybody has an Amazon account. So I figured okay, it should be very simple, point and click. You know, mm -hmm. like uh, if you want to support me, boom, you can get this, and you've already got an Amazon account. I'm not asking you to sign up for anything new. Right. Mm -hmm. And then Comixology did that wacky merger with the Kindle Direct Publishing. And because of the way they have things set up, my uh, digital books are no longer on Comixology. Yeah. Um, so like, at that point, I, it just was it was too much of a hassle to re-release them under the format they were looking for. Um, so like I've migrated things to drive through comics and to um, global comics. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, people will start to, to get over the digital thing. Cause like, um, I think the other thing also is that uh, people seem to equate, equate digital with free all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's the nature of the beast, I guess. Uh, but yeah, that, that's a major hurdle for, uh, for me as a, uh, as a creator uh it's just sort of dealing with the, that digital only stigma yeah i think that's valid that's something i hadn't i hadn't thought of when i was um you know just thinking about that question like i i also have books that are available only for digital i've also felt that stigma but um 
you know, it's, it's something I don't really think about just having to break that very often. Mm -hmm. I probably should. So it's just, that's probably more says something more about me than it does about anybody else. But, um, so what, um, what are the last three questions I have? What does the future look like for Project Impact? Okay. Uh, well, I want to continue to, um, put out somewhat self-contained stories. Um, it is building towards something, but I want, like, when I do what I want to do, I want it to be earned. That's probably the biggest thing is I want to make sure that I, I, cause I, I think that it will create a very, um, strong reaction from the readership. If I make sure that the moment is earned, like I could very well, I could rush through things. I could put, I could turn issue four into what I want it to like right now. Uh, but I don't think that it would have the same punch as if I, again, develop the characters and do like the, the, the hard work, basically the, um, you know, slugging it out in the trenches to try and like, again, earn the, um, the appreciation of the characters and the attachment to the characters. Um, so I, I'm, I am aiming to do continued sort of, uh, things where I'm like, I plan to make sure that each member of the team gets their spotlight mm-hmm. um all the while slowly progressing um the story to where i ultimately want it to end up yeah um, and uh yeah that's that's the the main thing i hope to continue to work with uh, my creative team as it's currently mm-hmm. comprised um now i know my uh my artist uh stefan peterson he's he has actually been hired to um to draw an upcoming arc of uh the captain canuck series uh, which was kind of cool like he actually he was able to to use um aspects of our our uh second issue as part of his like portfolio submission to uh to get onto the book uh so he's got an upcoming arc he's currently drawing that right now i'm not sure when it's going to be released at this point but uh but he like that was part of the reason for the delay in issue three is he was juggling both books Mm -hmm. um so um i hope to continue working with him um because again he 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 and I get each other as far as um, like our means of communicating and just our rapport and things. And he does outstanding work and he continues to get better from one issue to the next. Uh, as I, I'm, I'm sure you could, uh, could see from, uh, mm-hmm. the difference between issue one and issue three is significant. Like he's, he's progressed quite a bit um, over the course of our creative uh, mm-hmm. endeavors together. Um, you know, I, I, I look forward also, I've got uh um, our, my letter, Rich, uh, Rich Lumsden, he is, uh, putting together sort of like a, a four page sort of mini thing for Moose just to sort of, uh, get himself back in the swing of, uh, drawing comics himself, uh, at this point. So, uh, that is something that, uh, that, uh, we're working on, uh, that may very well end up being like a bonus feature in future printed material or, uh, cause, um, I think right now he's sort of trying to put things together for uh for his patreon that he's trying to to build up um so that's coming in that uh respect um you know um yeah i want to i long and short of it is i want to maintain my creative team as best i can and i want to sort of just take the time necessary to build the characters to the point that when my different plot points hit they really hit mm-hmm. i think that's a that's a really good goal is that you're you're setting out a, a big goal for yourself but not um but you also have like reasonable expectations because it's very easy to 
get too caught up in what you want and not caught up and, you know, and not keep your expectations both realistic, but also like small scale in a a good way, Mm -hmm. which I I think is valuable. Uh, I did have another question that I just remembered. Would you be willing to explain what ADR comics is? Uh, okay, ADR Comics. That is the, I guess, what uh, how I've, I've been publishing uh, things at this point. Um, so instead of like, I did actually try and find my own publisher, um, like as far as submissions goes. Um, it's it's, uh, but yeah, I, I hadn't found anybody with that. Uh, like I I submitted things to like a few different publishers and they just either got ignored outright or didn't uh, didn't get. Um, mm you know, uh, a positive response. Um, and so be it. So I decided to, to, you know, try and put things out myself. So ADR is like literally my, uh, okay. my initials. Um, so I put that out ADR comics and, um, that is, uh, uh, how we're, we're currently known. Um, but again, it's, we're, we're very, well, again, at this point we put out one book yeah. <laughs> and that is, you know, one series right now. Um, and I'm, I'm certainly, I'm always open to, uh, to, you know, pursuing things with uh with like more established publishers but uh mm-hmm. in the meantime if i if i can't uh gain any sort of traction then uh i i will just keep putting the stuff up myself yeah i mean that's kind of the way to do it that's kind of the way that um i think the best of best of what i've done is like if i can't if no one's gonna do it for me i'm gonna make it myself mm-hmm. um last two questions that i ask everyone um what's the best life lesson you've ever learned uh, best life lesson i've ever learned um hmm that's i think at this point it's to um, try to appreciate the people in your life because um they are the ones who are going to see you through the good times and the bad times mm-hmm. yep i am I'm, I'm i'm with that i've been feeling that a lot lately um and i always end every episode with an off the wall question mm-hmm. um what movie do you think has the best ending Ah, the movie has the best ending. I, um, hmm. I think for me, um, hmm. I kind of, I, I kind of liked, uh, the ending to Terminator, sorry, Terminator 2, actually. Okay. Where, again, like, so you, you've, um, yeah, the the ending to Terminator Two, where they where there there was just there was I guess the um, you think the world is basically saved, but there's enough yeah you know openness ambiguity. there yeah, yeah ambiguity yeah so I I, don't know, I I think that they still gave themselves some room to play yeah so um my, the first thing that came to mind for me was uh, the Dark Knight I don't know why I just always loved that ending with him running away good. from the no, dogs it definitely, it definitely was he does yeah, the whole was... he, where you know he makes the sacrifice and then he's and then the whole monologue also just stunning mm-hmm. love it um yeah. anyway why don't you go ahead and let us know let the people know where they can find you online okay so uh on twitter we are uh, impact comic so i-m-p-a-c-t comic uh on instagram we are at uh, project impact comic all one word uh similarly on uh, facebook.com uh, uh, slash project impact comic uh we actually do have a link tree um which is like, sort of like the, the link tree set up. So L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Project Impact Comic. Um, that will hook you up pretty much to uh, to any of our um, existing materials. 
All right. Um, oh, also something I, did, I didn't mention. I don't know why. I'm, it just doesn't have to be mentioned on the thing. Um, I had a super. I was like I mentioned before. I'm writing a superhero book, and um, mm-hmm. uh, his name was Impact. And then after I saw yours, I was like, I have to change it. I wasn't sold on Impact anyway, but I was mm-hmm. like, oh, geez, I can't. I don't want to name an Impact. Well, else. I don't have. I don't have any characters named Impact. I so. know, but it's just like the title was Impact, and I was looking up comic Impact comics superhero, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yours is one of the ones that came up, and I was like, okay, that's someone else had it too. It wasn't just you. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, as always, you can find Foreign Press Comics at F Press Comics on Twitter, Foreign Press Comics on Instagram and Facebook, and foreignpresscomics.com. Like and subscribe. Uh, give us a comment or a rating or a whatever you got to do wherever you could listen to your podcast. Um, and go subscribe to our email list because um, I'm still looking for 100 subscribers so I can give away um, my comic, Archangel. And um, I think that's all the plugs. Um, thanks for coming on, Alan. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Have a good one. Yeah, you do.